Fresh by Podcast. Can you imagine that? Four seasons already. Hey, welcome. Coming at you from Treaty 7 lands in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I am Ro Hattie, and this is a season of authors. I invite my friends to come on. Some of them are new friends. Some of them are a little bit older friends. And they're all coming to share new books that have come out in the past six months. Some of them are not even out yet as of the recording of this season. We're going to include a number of writers of color. And so that's pertinent right now. This release will be in February 2021 during Black History Month. It's also in the midst of year two, the start of year two of the global pandemic. I hope you are safe where you are at, where you live. I am recording this in quarantine right now, having to go through protocols. Everyone is safe, luckily. Thanks for those who have kept track of life through social media. If you don't follow me on social media, find me on Facebook or Twitter, usually most active on Twitter or Instagram, find me there. You can find my writing on my website as well, rohattie.com. This podcast is supported by nobody. Usually all those big podcasts say they're supported by like Rolex or all these neat sponsors. If you would like to help this podcast out, you can check out my website, rohadi.com, R-O-H-A-D-I, and you will find some ways that you can support it, even in small ways. Uh, Each and every piece of help goes a long way. So in this episode, we have my friend, Jonathan Puddle. He will be the only Canadian author on the circuit of authors that will spend mostly uh, or almost exclusively other than Jonathan Uh, to American authors. Jonathan recently released a book called You Are Enough, Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You. There is a, I don't say a rush or a slew, but there is a shift in devotionals and and also in publishing, I think. Uh, The contemporary publishing world hasn't shifted that much, so all the big main publishers and If you need to know or want to know, publishing is just like music. It's controlled by a handful of publishers, and Christian publishing and faith-based publishing is no different. But there are some indie publishers coming out. There are more self-published authors, and I'm trying to find those new voices. I think it's important for us to diversify who it is that we learn from, who we are formed by. That is critical for us as we decenter whiteness, decolonize our faith, deconstruct our Christianity into a reimagined way that fits into a modern world. And what's exciting about the authors in this season and exciting about Jonathan's book, You Are Enough, is that there is this wave of of new ideas. Uh, The way devotions are approaching spirituality now comes with a modern twist, Uh, You'll have to listen in on this episode to understand what I mean. There's just a brand of spirituality now that's far more open to vulnerability and honesty that hasn't been a key characteristic to most religious formation, particularly conservative religious formation in the West. So without further ado, 
my friend Jonathan Puddle, and I have a conversation about his book and the contents of You Are Enough. Have a listen. So the subtitle is Learning to Love Yourself the Way God Loves You. And that's uh, really what the whole thing is about. I, I spent... I don't know, 10 years of my life kind of blaming everybody else for not meeting my needs, blaming my wife, my friends, my children, God, you know, if you guys really loved me, then you would know what I needed and you would, you would meet my needs, uh, you know, which worked for a time until it kind of felt like enough of my marriage had fallen apart and enough uh, relationships with poor boundaries had gotten awkward. And, and I, I used to, I used to work in the, uh, in the charitable sector and, and I had a big team. I remember one day I suddenly thought, I think I'm Michael Scott. Like, I think that I have really bad boundaries. I think that from the office, yes, that Michael Scott, I think that I want all my employees to be my friends because I'm trying to fill this gaping hole in my own heart. And uh, through a period of time and events, I, I really felt God sort of direct me to, to own up to the love in my life and become responsible for my own needs and learn what that meant. And, you know, so like you just pointed out with Instagram and all these kind of prophets and theologians, I started following people and they're talking about self-compassionate mindfulness and, and all these different things. And I was like, oh, that sounds really relevant. And so I spent a bunch of time pretty much just laying on my couch, uh, holding my heart and speaking words of love over myself and over the course of time read a bunch of other books and stumbled through different things and I ended up having a very transformative experience of discovering like when I looked inside I actually found love there when I looked inside I didn't find wretched grimy humanity I found original goodness. I found the face of God staring back at me saying, I've been waiting for you to find me in here. Is that something that moved against a level of old formation for you? Definitely, definitely. I was not raised in a in a strong kind of Calvinist or, or, or wretchedness perspective, but nonetheless... I, I was definitely afraid, like, learning to love myself, that's going to result in pride and vanity. That Like, I could hear the voice of my mother and various other people um, who all meant well, <laughs> but I could, I could hear these thoughts. And, I, and it was very real fear that I would um, promote myself and become handed over to pride. And what I encountered was the exact opposite. As I realized how much damage I'd done myself, as I realized how much hurt I had caused myself, how hard I've been on myself, I was actually moved towards myself in compassion. And as I realized that, I was like, look, I think everybody probably hates themselves too. And if anybody hates themselves as much as I hated myself, and I wouldn't have never have said I hated myself. Hmm. But it just moved me in compassion to everybody. Um, 
And there was a lot of there was a lot that went into that. Now I have terminology for it, which is what you find in the book. You know, uh, so there's breathing exercises. There's uh, trauma informed psychotherapy tools. There's um, contemplative prayer, silence, meditation, as well as some fairly intensive inner parts work. I draw from internal family systems, which is a proven psychotherapy tool, as well as a another Christian inner healing tool that works similarly, has less clinical exposure, but works on similar concepts. And so the end result is that actually, like, we can all learn to love ourselves. We can actually learn to enjoy our own company. And we can come to emotional cohesion. And in that process, can find God always wanted us to be whole and healthy all along wholeness and health those are that's the word man that's the word i think it's fascinating that you would have come to this realization uh i want to say just on your own accord but to form and deconstruct your own faith and self away from old formation and into this compassionate space, as you, as you put it, and towards whole health, that's not a common journey for many people. Like You require a certain level of self-awareness in order to dig deep into the muck, into the muck of the self. For sure. I want to affirm you in that process, and thanks for for writing this resource for us. When we think of the 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 greatest rule or the greatest command to love the Lord your God, but also to love uh, your neighbor, and there's the third part of as yourself. And as you were speaking at at the top of, of your reflections and formation, at least faith formation. Very little, at least in an evangelicalism from my context, uh, very little has to do with how do you love yourself. Absolutely. Like, yeah. when have you heard a sermon? Like, count the number of sermons, right? Yeah. That you hear yeah. about loving God. Great. Definitely. Uh, that you hear about loving the neighbor. I'm glad that that is, I think, growing. <laughs> uh, glad that's inside. top of the I'm list. I'm glad that's okay. there. Yeah, but that's I was there. never taught how to love myself. Not even remotely. Mm. Like, I didn't even mm. know what, what emotions were. I read a book two years ago that I recommend to everybody, The Wisdom of Your Heart by my friend Mark Allen Shelsky. And he just says, listen, anger is what you feel when you've been blocked or violated or someone that you love has been blocked or violated. Happiness is what you you feel in your body when you get what you have wanted. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I am 30 some years old and I never even had been given a simple grid for what these emotions are and mean and what they're telling me about me. I've just mm -hmm. kind of been told emotions are evil and fickle and you should be, you know, I kind of tried to cast them all out like demons and and mm. I'm charismatic. So I've got the demon casting thing out. That's, that works yeah, for me. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it does require quite a bit of that journey in to face yourself and and to start going what am I what am I missing? What what am I lacking? Where have I actually been hurting for a really long time? The contemporary church has certainly missed um its opportunity, but we still have an opportunity, but uh, the work around uh, personal formation of the self, we've connected that 
or try to explain that whole picture through a lens of, of narcissism, I think. And so we see just that piece of exploring the self and consider the whole to be wrong or profane rather than realizing there, there is work here. And if we can figure out the work inside, the work of self, that reveals who God is. <laughs> exactly. That, that, I think that was the biggest surprise to me was the more I journeyed inward, the more I found God smiling back at me mm. like a father playing hide and seek with his kids, just being like, mm. I've always been here and I've been waiting for you to discover me. And all I expected to find inside was a, just a, a hole, just a pit. Hmm. I, I, you know, part of that is also you know, cultural formation, not not even faith, but how men are formed, how boys are formed, and and in the same way, although different, how uh, women and girls are are formed. Um, <laughs> your piece on emotions, I didn't know emotions existed until that movie came out from Disney. What was the movie on emotions? <laughs> Inside Out. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. They're little people inside of me, and they're feeling different things. <laughs> so that's uh, that's when emotions happened. You, you have a line, and I've heard this too in in uh, in counseling, and and probably just there in your book that your emotions are are smoke detectors, or your feelings are smoke detectors to something deeper. Yeah, I I, I quote my friend again, Mark Allen Shelsky, who says that uh, emotions are like a check engine light on your car. Like mm-hmm. that that light comes on and it can mean anything. It can mean it can mean that you just tightened your gas cap too far. But it could also mean that like your transmission belt's gone and you're about to have real real problems. But we've kind of been trained to ignore, at least in my movement, had been kind of trained to ignore all of our emotions because they would lead us away from God. And it was the spirit. It was the spirit that mattered, which is really kind of like just Gnosticism in in new clothes, right? Like, let's escape the flesh. It's evil and wicked. And mm. um, but it just doesn't make sense, right? Like, I mean, if we are God's beloved, if Jesus Christ is God in human flesh, I love the way Father Kenneth Tanner says, you know, you can't blast the goodness out of something God creates good. Mm -hmm. Like, you Mm -hmm. and I don't have that authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can try, but you can't. Exactly. And we try. Exactly. But the thing thing on, on male formation is huge. And I think that was probably the big genesis for me is that I have big emotions. And for most of my life, I felt dysfunctional. I felt like, what's wrong with me? I felt too much mm. for people. I felt too much for myself. Mm. And I felt non-masculine. I haven't understood where I fit into a masculine picture when I have big feelings and I'm physical. I wanna, I'm affectionate. I want to touch people. Mm. And I also grew up in New Zealand, which is a certainly at that time a hyper-masculine, sport-dominated kind of culture. And I didn't fit in. I wasn't adventurous. I was scared to go outside. I enjoyed reading books. Mm. And so for so much of my life, I felt like I was uniquely deficient. That's, um, and, and, and so I, w- I would be the opposite of that. And like you could feel your emotions and they're out there. You're trying to put a name to them. And in my formation, at least, is 
I, I, you bottle that or you don't know how to deal with it and you do go out and crash and bang in sports and, and, and vent that way as you process, um, which ultimately led, leads to destruction if you can't figure out a way to be healthy with the things that are going through your mind, body and, and spirit. Um, I was thinking about the uh, the metaphor of the feelings or emotions being the little check engine light. And the way Christians have dealt with this is that they take Bible verses and they tape it on the dash to cover up the light. That's exactly right. Without doing the stuff inside. That's exactly right. And you know what? That's That's exactly what I did. And there was this weird, this really weird moment in my own journey where I had been reading about self-compassionate mindfulness and I was starting to kind of talk to myself and get my self-talk a little bit better and just say, you know, Jonathan, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm willing to listen to you. And one day I'm doing the dishes and I just got like this overwhelming feeling of sadness and loneliness. Now, partly loneliness is relevant. Like my wife is at work. My kids are at school. I'm home alone. So like I can understand that in a simple temporal sense. Mm-hmm. I remember this chapter. And you know what I I did? I tried to rebuke the loneliness. I was pretty much like, loneliness? Why are you feeling this way? I take you captive in Jesus' name. <laughs> I cast you out. Go to the place sure. the Lord has prepared. Yeah. You know, and all, all this stuff. And I felt my physical body yeah. rebel. How did that work? My body, like, freaked out. Mm. And I felt as if a voice inside basically was like, F you, man. Like you have just spent all these words telling me you want to feel me, you want to get to know me, and now you don't like it. So step off, bro. And it was it was very strange. Like I, at that point, I had no kind of grid for the idea that different parts of my psychological framework could slide forward and be be more aware or more present. Uh, and I was very kind of like, ooh. But I so I sat down and started like, okay, fine. If there is Mm. someone here who has things to say, let me listen. The book here, and I had the privilege of taking in a copy a few months ago. I looked at it and I said, yes, here is a resource and... People in my life at that point were asking me, hey, do you have some ideas for devotions? And devotions or devotionals, meditations, um, those types of rhythms, resources that point to rhythms like that, um, they are popular in Christian publishing or in the Christian world because they help guide towards some level of formation. Um, but they also tend to come in, in certain um, formats. Um, they reflect certain worldviews. And yours was a breath of fresh air because it gave us a sense of longing, of matching the longings of the human heart, um, of a holistic approach, mind, body, and spirit uh, in chase of health. And I was like, okay, this is a little bit different. And yet... And this was my feedback on on the book. So I don't know how much it, it shifted. Was it was so good you couldn't consume it in a day. It's real. Yeah, that's it's that's. Oh, real is a good word. Yeah, that's that was 
it's probably the hardest thing to do with this is to sort of figure out on the one hand, I've got to give this stuff away. I've got to get this word out to people because of what it's done in my life. So I've, I, I really want to help. And my Enneagram too is also like, must help, must help. That's why I have meaning. <laughs> we, uh, we, we went 12 minutes before the Enneagram came <laughs> up. That's, that's good. Um, but, but you, you're absolutely right. It's, it's a lot of stuff. And especially when you start getting into the chapters on trauma and learning mm. how to feel the pain inside, you know, I, I, I'd like to be very clear. Um, I, at no point do I encourage anybody to, um, force up painful feelings. I've seen that done in church, uh, to, mm. to, to much detriment where people, you know, it's like, think up the most painful thing you can and now ask Jesus to heal you of it. I'm like, no, that's, mm. that's re-traumatizing. Uh, but, but all that pain still lives within, you know, we can say it lives within your soul. It lives within your memories. But I mean, it, it also dwells in your body as, you know, uh, guys like Bessel and girls, Bessel van der Kolk, the body keeps the score, you know, have been helping us understand the connection between the brain, the emotions, the body, how all this sits in your flesh, which God gave you and called good, um, is very, very intricately woven together. And so I do teach a method of becoming aware of the pain, the emotional pain, the trauma that you have in your body, and how to, you know, safely at, at your pace release that. But what I did do, you'll be pleased to hear this, is the final mm. version of the introduction mm. says, um, basically don't do this in 30 days. Or don't do it in 30 consecutive days, at the very least. Mm. Mm -hmm. Move mm -hmm. at exactly the pace that you want to move at. And I ended up going through and I changed whenever I said, you know, tomorrow we'll talk about this, or how did this go yesterday? I actually changed those to like on day 16, so hope, uh, hopefully yes, even yes, a little yes. bit of that psychological pressure of uh, I need to be working through this because Jonathan said tomorrow maybe maybe reduced <laughs> I, I, I don't know I know some some readers boundaries. do <laughs> boundaries he's not the boss of me the um I, I mean I think you and maybe this is the Michael Scott in you um <laughs> oh boy the, you are. Deconstructing. This is the deconstruction piece that I was talking about. And you don't have to lead people through the whole process. Rather, if you give them options to make the one choice or the one act or the one moment in time that will lead them down towards a path of wholeness, then the book succeeds. I mean, they're, they're not going to... This isn't... This is a, a kind of therapy, but this isn't, you're not a professional no, therapist. No, exactly. I, no, and I wrote, again, in the introduction, I said, listen, friends, it's possible that as a process of becoming more aware of your emotions and of your trauma, especially if you have been locked up in that area, you might mm. need to go and do therapy after reading this book. You need to go to therapy after reading this. Everyone's supposed to go to well, therapy. Well, and that's man. the point. If you're a grown I, ass adult. <laughs> I said you're supposed to go to therapy. Please don't consider that a failure. Like that is that is a sign of success, not failure. Amen. Um, Amen. Unless you want to be a broke ass adult who can't deal with their emotion, you can try, um, but something is not right inside. Something. Um, Something is breaking. I had lunch. I had lunch with one of my former employees 
about a year, uh, a year, eight months ago. From the uh, from the office. From the office, and I, mm. I said to her, I, I have come to realize that I was a very emotionally needy boss, and I think at times I was a little bit like Michael Scott, uh-huh. and I would like to apologize for that. And she hung her head for a moment, took her breath, and looked back up. And the look on her face was so priceless. And she said, thank you so much for acknowledging that. <laughs> she said, now, actually, I feel like there's an area of my life that can close and can move on. Hmm. It was very humbling. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations that you are not Michael Scott, that you have the capacity to look inside of yourself and, and to reveal pieces. And not the, Again, you don't have to bite off or solve the whole thing, but you're set along a path and perhaps you have to restart the path over and over and over again, but you're set along a path towards uh, that level or pursuit of health and wholeness. I had, a, I had a reader, one of my early readers, write back to me after working through the material, and she said, Jonathan, I have n- no relationship has felt safe in my life, including and especially my relationship with God. But she's like, by so- something like by day 12, for the first time, I began to feel like I could approach God and feel safe there. And yeah. and I mean, I was I was a mess just reading that email. I was yeah. like... For one for price. one human soul to come to that place of safety with their creator, praise God. And and I know the reasons why people don't feel safe with God. I mean, uh, the weirdest thing right now is my stats on my own blog, all of my search traffic right now is is relating to the idea of being afraid and unsafe with God. And it all began during COVID. Wow. Oh, like wow. my most popular article of the last couple of years was how to turn your husband down for sex. And I figured, okay, great. Mm-hmm. I've written a perennial favorite. This will be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's a book. Right yeah. There. And then as mm-hmm. soon as COVID happened, all of my mm-hmm. stats shifted up. And my most popular article right now is how to get closer to God when you're afraid of him. And so like, whatever like that's not about me i'm just saying people are afraid people are scared people in their heart of hearts don't haven't been shown safety and goodness in their pictures of the divine and maybe that's because they've had masculine uh images enforced on them that they couldn't identify with maybe there's an audio book as well trauma by crazy church leadership by parents you know who are like god says i have to spank you so i'm being obedient while i beat you like it's it's madness um but god is good and god is so much bigger than male and female Mm. and god is here and god can be experienced and touched and can then inform the rest of our lives with peace and goodness that's so good but that's once so the good. audiobook re- releases that's a, quite I'll the be, revelation uh, with be your analytics the meditation through tracks the, through into the website Spotify that's well. the selling point on that book like i never would have processed that through covid um i don't write stuff uh on this kind of stuff, but that is a revelation, man. 
I, I was flabbergasted when I saw those stats and they have not changed. And if anything, I was checking today because I'm launching a book and so I'm like all over my stats right now. Um, it's it's higher than it's ever been through all of COVID. Like it's like a fever pitch. People uh-huh. fear uh-huh. driving people crazy. And And what's amazing to me is that somehow people know that it's God that they're afraid of. At least enough people that whose search traffic is landing on my website. Like, that's heartbreaking to me, that, that they want to get closer to God, probably because they've been told they have to, but they're terrified. Like, that's a, that's a lose-lose position, unless God is actually good. That's it. We trailed off into a second part, which I might release after COVID ends if it does, but this was a focus on You Are Enough, a self-published title, so every dollar goes to Jonathan. Go check it out. There is that audio version. There are some accompanying uh, resources with the book, Jonathan Puddle, P-U-D-D-L-E dot com. Check it out in the show notes. This is a fantastic book. It was a great uh, preview in this podcast as well. To get a sense of ways to deconstruct your faith, and it will be pertinent to those who have come out of a religious, especially a fundamentalist upbringing, it's going to press on some of those sore spots and places that we are looking to either to forget or to move on from, but we don't know how. And so this is just a way to say in the process, in the muck, in the exploration of reimagining faith, you are enough. So thanks, Jonathan. We'll trail out, trail out here and jump back in to our next episode with a new author coming up next.